to live the American dream. We pray blessings upon Anarchy and Lucy and Betsy and the total of 11 women who sacrificed their bodies. We thank you, God, for their spirit and their strength. In a park in Montgomery, Alabama, there are three statues dedicated to three Black women, Anarchy, Lucy, and Betsy. They are called the Mothers of Gynecology, and these beautiful, intricate sculptures honor almost a dozen enslaved Black women who were tortured and experimented on in an effort to advance the field of gynecology. They were subjected to things like a hysterectomy without anesthesia. And so for every person that has come today, I declare and decree blessings upon their lives. May their lives be transformed never again once they hear this story and learn of their history, their connection. This is sacred space. We're standing on sacred ground. A little over a month ago, healthcare reporter Akila Johnson heard about this grand opening for the Mothers of Gynecology Monument Park. And uh, a little bell went off in my head, and I thought, ding, 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 ding. That sounds like a really good place to talk to Black women about their experiences with reproductive health, because that is ultimately kind of how I was stepping into this conversation about the Supreme Court decision that could possibly overturn Roe v. Wade and the effect that that would have on Black women's reproductive health care and reproductive health. Recently, Akila has had lots of conversations with Black women about abortion. But those conversations are wrapped up in larger concerns about reproductive health care. Black women are three times as likely as white women to die because of pregnancy. And research finds that nearly two out of three maternal deaths are preventable. And so thinking about that and understanding that that is a crisis and there's a lot of folks who are working to try to address that and this upcoming decision about abortion, abortion access, abortion care, abortion rights, and and how that is going to affect the health and health care of Black women is kind of how I entered the conversation. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, June 10th. Today, we're talking about what the fight for abortion rights means for Black women. In a country where giving birth as a Black person is statistically more dangerous than it is for a white person, the stakes of a potential post-Roe future are even higher. But the debate is also more complicated. Both sides of the abortion fight are intertwined with the legacy of slavery and racism and attacks on the autonomy of Black women's bodies. And for Akila, all of this nuance became very clear in her conversations with people at this memorial in Alabama. There were women, you know, young women, older women, babies who were there to pay homage to the lived experiences of Black women when it comes to reproductive health. And then I also spoke to Alexis King, who is 39, has two teenage girls. And she talked a lot about how she worries for her daughters. And she worries that resources may not be available to them 
as they grow into women if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And she also talked about her own experience, torturous, horrific experience for eight years where she suffered excruciating pelvic pain and how her OBGYN was just very dismissive of this entire experience and just very dismissive of her pain, didn't really take it serious. She switches OBGYNs, and when she switches doctors, the new doctor diagnoses her with a hormonal condition that creates these cysts on, on your ovary and in your uterus and performs essentially the same, the same procedure that is used to perform abortions. She gets all of this relief all of a sudden after eight years of this excruciating pain. So her experience, the care that she eventually got, and the thought that some of this may not be available to her daughters worries her. And so all of that comes into this conversation when we're talking about abortion and abortion rights and abortion care. Not everybody agrees with that. Not everybody agrees that this should be part of the conversation. And it's really interesting because a lot of the people that I spoke to said, you know, personally, I don't believe in abortion. Personally, I wouldn't do this. Personally, I am pro-life. But personally, I'm not going to tell somebody else what to do with their body. So there are these kind of inherent tensions that were existing in people. And that, in a lot of ways, follows, you know, the polling that you see. Pew just came out with a, a big poll showing that, like, very few people are absolutist when it comes to abortion rights, and particularly when it comes to saving the life of the mother, if there are medical reasons behind it, we're in support of, of abortion rights or abortion access. So when we think about this question of what abortion access is going to look like in the future, what are the ways in which the legality of abortion has stakes for Black people that are that are different or disparate? If you just look at numbers, right? So according to the CDC, more than a third of, of the folks who are accessing abortion care and who are, are, are having abortions performed are Black women. And so just if abortion becomes illegal, that is a harm. It becomes really hard if it is completely banned or outlawed in your state and you have to travel out of state for an abortion that becomes cost prohibitive. It's, you know, you have to take time off of work. You have their child care issues uh, because research also shows that a lot of folks who are seeking abortion care are parents, right? So their child care issues, their job issues, their travel costs to consider, their lodging, wherever you're at, you're considering. There is the psychological trauma that often comes. Then there are financial considerations in terms of raising children and what what does it mean to raise a child in a world that already doesn't value Black lives the same as it values other lives. And, and, and I think it's notable that you, that you point out that for so many people who are seeking abortions, oftentimes they are already parents and already familiar with what their maternal health care will look like or how their lives have changed because of having children or the way that our society does or does not support them in that. And so I feel like that brings up a lot of interesting questions of like, how is motherhood or childhood so much more difficult for for Black people and how... When people are making decisions around abortion, they know what kind of world they're going to be facing, both in the process of being pregnant and also in the process of of raising children. I mean, what you're describing and what we've been talking about has largely been part of what is the cornerstone of the reproductive justice movement, right? And so when folks mm-hmm. are fighting for reproductive justice, for Black women, this has always been about more than just the right to choose, 
So when you think about it and you think about some of the arguments that have come up in favor of or against abortion care, one of them has to do with women working outside of the home and the choice between parenting or profession, right? And how now that is less of a choice that folks have to make. Well, let's think about Black women in their place and how we have existed in in American society. For decades, Black women have had no other choice or option but to work outside of the home to support mm-hmm. their family, right? And so when it comes to a choice between staying home or, or working, that's not been a choice for Black women. And so that is part of the, it's it's always been more than a choice. It's been about the choice to not just decide whether or not to have a child, but it's also the world in which that child is raised. So it's the right to parent with autonomy. You have to think about the instances of child protective services being involved and mass incarceration. So when Black women are talking about reproductive justice, it is a much more holistic argument that abortion is a part of, but is not the sole focus of. And so so one of the things— that comes up a lot that I feel like is worth repeating is that when when it comes to maternal mortality, particularly around Black women, when you control for all of the things, right, education, income, all of the things that are supposed to help provide health advantage, when you control for all of that, Black women still have worse maternal health outcomes. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much education you have you were still more likely to die in childbirth. You know, the, the, you're not mm-hmm. insulated by the things that typically provide insulation. And a lot of the research points to and goes back to racism and the the racism that Black women experience. One of the researchers that I spoke to has said to me, and it just really sticks with my mind, it's about how you show up to pregnancy. Stress wears down the body. That is all part of how you show up to pregnancy. How are you navigating Mm -hmm. financial situations, your home situation, housing situation? Then if you've got family members, significant others that you're caring for, dealing with mass, you know, navigating mass incarceration system in these situations where you're constantly being aware of these things, well, that wears on the body. So that is all part of what affects maternal mortality and maternal health crisis. It's affecting the mom, but it's also affecting the baby. After the break, I talk with Akilah about the legacy of eugenics in America and how it's making the abortion debate in Black communities a little more fraught. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. So, Akila, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that obviously not all Black people feel the same way about abortion. And there are a lot of reasons why Black people might not support abortion care or abortion rights. Um, and I think that those reasons are interesting because they're different from what we tend to hear from, like, 
primarily white evangelical voices who are advocating against abortion or abortion access. So can you talk a little bit about what concern around abortion looks like in Black communities? I think a lot of the the conversation goes back to bodily autonomy and bodily control. And so, you know, in, in, in having conversations with folks who do not support abortion rights, their argument is that this is no different than the generations when Black women didn't have control over their body and autonomy. This is the same thing when it comes to the devaluation and the disregard for Black lives. And even how this fits within the eugenics movement. Eugenics comes up quite a bit, particularly as it pertains to abortion care being a form of population control, right, in a way to decrease the Black Mm. population. And a lot of people point their finger at where where this argument comes from to early eugenicists, and particularly there's a lot of controversy around Margaret Sanger, who, you know, is the founder of Planned Parenthood, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding the origins and her intent, shall we say, because she was a big advocate for birth control. And she was a big advocate for family planning. And so she did a lot of work in low-income communities, set up clinics in Harlem. And even, you know, in the late 60s, there was pushback from certain local NAACP chapters who were saying that there was targeting to Black and minority populations to suppress minority and Black populations vis-a-vis genocide. So the argument is, is that this wasn't necessarily about giving Black people or people in low-income communities the opportunity to decide for themselves how many children that they wanted to have, but instead to prevent Black children from being born. That is the argument, which is why I was bringing up medical historians, because medical historians say kind of just what you said, right? Like it is it is a form of extreme cherry picking where you begin to kind of meld these two situations together because forced sterilization was very much a real thing. Like the government definitely was coming in and forcibly sterilizing folks. But Planned Parenthood and Sanger and the argument around that becomes they were going in and it was about giving low-income women an opportunity to determine and decide their fate and and pick how many children they were going to have. While at the same time having really vile ideas, you know, holding racist ideals in their head. And so... Does that then mean that there was an intentional act to suppress the black population? Historians say not necessarily when it came to birth control and Planned Parenthood. But yes, there were instances of forced sterilization and the eugenics movement was was part of the government apparatus up through the 60s and the 70s that was quote unquote trying to uh, kind of eliminate or weed out undesirables from our population. And how much of that do you think is playing a role now, especially in terms of the arguments that we're hearing from anti-abortion activists and the way that the question of the legality of abortion is being framed now? I mean, it definitely plays a role, right? So the the conversation about abortion rights being kind of an extension of the eugenics movement or kind of an arm of the eugenics movement in an, in an instance to suppress the black population. That was part of the leaked Supreme Court decision, and it was an argument that Clarence Thomas made in a 
2019 opinion. So it definitely is coming to play, you know, now in this current debate and in this current moment. I think for a long time, people thought it was kind of, I don't want to say fringe idea, but, you know, not, look, the Black population and the Black community is not a monolith. A lot of folks think a lot of different things. And this idea of, quote unquote, Black genocide has been around for decades. And it is, it it remains with us today. And I think in a lot of ways, to some extent, it has gone from the fringe to the mainstream, even though it may be on the fringe, it's hard to kind of figure out where to situate it or position it. Um, and the larger conversation, but it is part of the conversation. So when you think about these conversations that you've been having over the last few weeks, as so many OBGYNs across the country are thinking about how things have changed a lot and could change a lot in in the very near-term future when it comes to abortion access, what are the things that they have told you about what they think people need to understand about what the stakes are here going forward. In speaking with folks who have performed abortions, so medical providers who have performed abortions, medical providers who care for and provide reproductive care to people who very much center the experiences of Black women, they, you know, just to underscore that this argument, this debate when it comes to abortion care is very it is it is it is broad and narrow in the black community in a lot of ways and what do i mean by broad and narrow broad because it encompasses so much more than abortion care but narrow because really it centers on agency and what it means to have agency over your body when for centuries you legally did not and there's been a legal fight for agency of your body for centuries. And, you know, I mean, just think about the mothers of gynecology. The slave masters gave their consent for these experiments to be done on these Black women. It starts in, you know, with not having agency over your body as you're in a multitude and a variety of ways, even consenting to surgery and having that done in a humane way because you were seen as human and the agency in that and how that carries through until today when Black women are still going to the doctor being treated for gynecological issues and are fighting for agency and respectful care and for their pain to be acknowledged and their humanity to be acknowledged in those experiences. And so, yes, it is is about the right to choose. Yes, it is this debate in the Black community is about abortion care, but it's also about, like, having the right not to choose and the agency in that. So that's what I mean when I say, and and really boils down to one word, an agency, and the difference that that, the, the different weight that that holds in a community that for centuries did not have agency. Akilah, thank you so much. Thank you. Akilah Johnson is a healthcare reporter for The Post focused on health disparities. This story was produced by Sabi Robinson and Ariel Plotnick. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. Our executive producer is Maggie Pedman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Ted Muldoon is our senior producer. Our editor is Alexis Diao. 
Jordan Marie Smith, Ariel Plotnick, and Rennie Swarnovsky are producers. Sabi Robinson and Emma Talgoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. Our intern is Natalie Bettendorf. The post-director of audio is Renita Jablonski. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.